What's up, guys? Rick Gaiman here with your DFS preview for this week's Honda Classic. And what a week it's going to be. This course, very, very difficult. We'll get to that in just one second. But looking back to last week, big hat tip goes out to Joaquin Neiman for getting the job done. I saw a lot of uh, Joaquin tickets and screenshots from lineups and things like that. So uh, congratulations to all of you out there for the great success. And thank you, uh, quite honestly, for, for supporting me. It was nice to meet a lot of you out there at Riviera last week and all of your likes and your subscribing and all that stuff uh, certainly goes a long way for me. So thank you for that. I did indeed announce uh, my partnership with Blue Wire to take my podcast 300 yards to unknown to their network. And now I'll be recording out of a beautiful studio at the Win Las Vegas. So it's it's been a really great run for me and I couldn't do it without you guys. So uh, thank you so much for all the support. I'm excited to get into this week. PGA National going to be a real test for these golfers. I think we should just jump right into the course preview. This is my course key stats tool on rickrungood.com. That's my golf data website. Everything that you see from this video will be on rickrungood.com. Um, wow, true test is PGA National, right? Basically one of the harder non-major venues that we go to every single year. Scoring average last year was 71.1. That's a stroke over par. Yeah, it was the sixth most difficult course out of 51 last year. And you got to imagine there's a couple major championships in there. There's the South course at Torrey Pines for the farmers. So this is basically like the first or second most difficult non-major venue. Like it, it's really, it's really that tough. And uh, it's a lot because of the water that's lurking out there. 15 different holes uh, have water in play on them. It's the most on the PGA Tour, and that means big numbers can come up very, very quickly. There's a lot of holes where you have water off the tee in play and that you have water on your approach shot in play. And if you're just a little bit off, those doubles are lurking, those triples are lurking. There's almost certainly going to be someone who is well within the cut line on Friday afternoon and makes a big number at the bear trap. We'll talk about that in just one second. And, uh, you know, their, their weekend hopes are, are dashed and maybe your six of six hopes are dashed. So very, very volatile course in terms of scoring the bear trap, the three hole stretch, 15, 16, 17, one of the harder three hole stretches on the PGA tour. And in fact, none of those holes are actually the hardest hole at PGA national. So that should tell you how difficult this course actually is. And if the wind starts kicking, oh boy, they're in big, big trouble. Um, if you look at the regression model. So this is what I run uh, every single week for every stat, for every event. There's not too much that stands out here. It actually in shape looks very similar to kind of what we saw last week at Riviera where driving accuracy was not uh, a super correlated stat to success and it was more like approach and around the green and distance. It's not as extreme. You're seeing a lot of above average stats, but uh, seems to be a second shot course, seems to be a course where good putters tend to find success and it seems to be uh, uh, driving uh, driving distance uh, are your three top stats. So that's kind of what I'm going to go with for this week. But if you want to talk about, you know, fairway percentages and props and things like that, uh, these were the 16th hardest fairways to hit out of 51 last year, 18th uh, greens out of 51. So the 18th hardest greens, the 13th hardest uh, birdie or better 
course and the sixth, as I mentioned, hardest scoring average course where it did play over par. So my goodness, it's going to be a true test. Um, the reason I relay those uh, last few stats are for props because, quite frankly, this is blowing up the prop game. If you're if you're not playing props, uh, I think you're missing out on a lot of fun. I've built some tools around prize picks. I'll show you a couple of thoughts there in a minute, but I, I do want to kind of... Um, chat about what's probably coming next there and uh, how I think we can find an edge on it. This is the current tool that I have on rickrungood.com. If you want to get into props, it pulls over the lines from prize picks and um, assigns basically for however many rounds you want to go back uh, the, the probability that a golfer goes over or under. So we're looking at round one props right now. And what I notice right out of the gate is there are no props. Let me just kind of scroll through here. Yeah, no props that are actually what the scoring average was last year. Uh, so I mentioned 71.1. Every single line is lower than that. Now, of course, you're getting, you know, the 24 maybe best golfers in this field. But I look at someone like uh, Brian Harmon. Brian Harmon, 69 and a half is his round one line. Well, I know the scoring average last year was 71.1. Brian Harmon's kind of a volatile golfer at times. And there's water out there that can snatch up his ball. The model thinks if you use the last 50 rounds, he goes over this number about 80% of the time in round one. So that's certainly something that I would be targeting. But uh, I think the round-by-round round scoring and leading on leaning on overs, I think, is the way to go. But what I'm going to be doing uh, over the course of the week is I'm trying to un unveil a brand new kind of hole scoring tool because prize picks added um they added like hole by hole scoring so they did it for number 11 last week at riviera so it was basically set everybody's line at four and a half if a guy made a birdie that was under if you made a par or worse that was over that's incredible i have a little bit of uh, maybe a little birdie tells me that they're gonna have um uh, a bear trap prop so 15 16 17 what their score is going to be over those three holes it's going to be electric i can't wait for it but i hope to have a tool in place for that shortly um if you haven't signed up yet it's uh the promo code is rick that's what you're looking for there's a link in the description as well it's a hundred percent instant deposit match up to a hundred bucks and i'm having an absolute blast over there betting the props uh every single day phenomenal stuff let's go to the cheat sheet five golfers over ten thousand dollars sung jm louis ustazen joaquin neiman man who won last week daniel berger and brooks kepka they're okay i opened up the odds sheet this morning and tommy fleetwood was 14 to 1 and brooks kepka was like 22 to 1 or something and we're not seeing that necessarily reflected here in the the draft kings pricing but i do think that there's an argument to be made that brooks is probably mispriced at ten thousand one hundred dollars. we saw flashes in phoenix his 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 week at riviera wasn't that good he's had good success here at honda at the honda classic and it's right in his backyard like that is um I just think he's he's a bit mispriced at $10,100, so we'll see what the industry does, and I'll have the ownership numbers for the Wednesday live chat, 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel. Outside of that, I, I find it really difficult to look past Sung JM, and I know he's the most expensive. I know he won this event two years ago. He's probably going to be popular, but start to look at what he's been up to. You know, strokes gained off the tee, which is going to be so critical at PGA National because you're going to need to play out of the short grass or not even really that. I mean, the rough is two inches. It's nothing, but you, you can't hit it in the water. You just you just can't. And Sungjae hasn't lost strokes off the tee since the John Deere. You look at his approach numbers. They've been a bit erratic, but more often than not, he's gaining strokes on approach. Again, that's where the the 
two, the two shots where you are most likely to find water and ruin your round, ruin your day, ruin your week are off the tee and on approach, obviously. So the fact that he is strong in both of those categories is exciting. And then what you're also seeing is the ability to pop in the short game. He can gain multiple strokes around the green. He can gain multiple strokes with the putter. Did it last week again at Riviera. That's exciting. And when he puts it all together, you basically get a week like this where he wins at the Shriners or you get a T8 at the Tournament of Champions or a T9 at Summit Club and even lost strokes putting and on approach that week. A T6 at Farmers, any lost strokes on approach. Like There is a lot of different paths for Sungjae to get inside the top 10 this week. You know, I, I often talk about guys who have a very narrow path to the top. Sungjae seemingly has a very wide path, a very broad path to the top. Many different ways that he can get there, which makes him a, a, an incredibly exciting option. I know he's the, the most expensive golfer, but I think it is well-deserved. Lou Eustace in silenced uh, basically all critics with his uh, T14 at, in Phoenix, where he looked just... Um, like normal Louie, you know, he gained across the board. He putted well. Uh, now he goes to the Honda Classic where he's got a couple of top 25s. He doesn't play it every single year, but he's a decent option. Uh, Neiman is back in the field. We'll see how he kind of reacts to his, um, you know, his first win. But I think the most interesting, most fascinating guy is Daniel Berger, right? So Berger, you know, withdraws before Pebble. That was his title defense. And then goes out in Phoenix and misses the cut. And now everyone's wondering, well, what the heck do we do with Daniel Berger? And um, it should be a great setup for Berger. Finished fourth here in 2020. Had a couple other decent finishes in 19 and 18. A runner-up finish in 2015. Again, kind of a, a, a jupe life guy, right? This is in his backyard, very close to home for him. And um, I think he's kind of the X factor. You know, many people will opt to go for Sungjae and Louie or go down to Brooks, leaving Berger kind of in the sandwich and wondering what what's going to happen with him. So if we get later in the week, if we get on Wednesday and ownership starts rolling in and Daniel Berger is 9%, I think that's going to make him more enticing for kind of these larger contests where you want to be different or you want to have leverage on the rest of the field. But as we talk on this Monday morning, Monday afternoon, depending on what time zone you're in, Sungjae to me, objectively the best. I think there's a lot of uh, mispriced uh, equity in Brooks Kepka and just absolutely excited to get to Louie. Um, and we'll see how the rest of that $10,000 uh, price range shakes itself out. The $9,000 range. Oh my. Yeah. Pretty steep drop off here. So um, a couple of interesting nuggets. Let's talk about Tommy Fleetwood. I, I know he finished third here in 2020. I know he finished fourth year in 2018. So there's a lot of good course history, but what are we doing with Tommy Fleetwood? Tommy hasn't really been himself since 2020, has he? And um, to see him price this highly, to see his outright numbers on some of these sports books was, was quite jarring. Um, to his credit, he's been better recently. You know, the end of 2021, he played well at the BMW PGA Championship and the Alfred Dunhill Lynx Championship, T12, T7. Those are two premier events on the DP World Tour. And then more recently, he finishes T8 in Saudi Arabia, T12 in Dubai. So the game looks like it's coming around. I just still think that he is... Um, he's, he's a little bit overpriced here. And when you look at the guys behind him, like Billy Horschel... Just get the recorder out because it. I, I don't often say this. I, I think it's Billy Horschel week, right? Like, let's go and deep dive this. And Billy does not get enough credit for um, how good he's been. 
You know, the win at the match play doesn't find its way into a lot of models. The win at the BMW PGA Championship, which I just referred to as basically the premier event on the DP World Tour, that doesn't get into a lot of his a lot of models because it's not a PGA Tour metric. But I bet you when we run a custom model at the end of this and we do like weighted strokes gain because everything flies into the custom model, I bet you Billy Horschel ranks pretty well there. Uh, and then he's got two great finishes here in his last two, T6 at Phoenix, T11 at Farmers. Things I'm concerned about. Uh, he is very reliant on his short game. However, that is, that's kind of what he does, right? That's his DNA. I do worry that if he's a little loose on approach, which we've seen him get here recently, that a big number could be lurking for Billy Horschel. However, I think it's kind of worth the risk. He's got a couple of top 10 finishes at this event in his last five starts. He's also got a a T16 in that stretch as well. So I I think that um, with the way that he's priced, the guys around him, the kind of lack of understanding around most of the results for Billy Horschel, it feels like one of the better times to deploy him. And that's not something I uh, frankly often say. What do we do with Wolf? What do we do with Keith Keith Mitchell? Uh, Seemingly, Mitchell will be popular, and I think it's warranted. He's playing probably better now than he did before he won this event in 2019. If you look at his profile, um, he's driving the ball like a madman right now. And if he he can continue to do that... it really allows him to miss out on those big numbers, miss out on the the water ball, right? So he has not lost strokes off the tee since the Travelers Championship. That was last June. His approach play, which at the time, last summer, wasn't very good, has gotten much more stable. He's going back to a place that he's won at. This is well warranted for, for, for Keith Mitchell love this week. The Matthew Wolf thing. This one I'm really torn on. Uh you know, I liked Matthew Wolf at the American Express with the idea that the results there are very volatile. And when you invest in Matthew Wolf, who is a very volatile golfer in himself, uh, in his own right, uh, that you could get a win or you could get a, a dead last. And it was closer to dead last that week. And I, th- I think it's kind of similar this week. This is a golf course that, um, a, you know, a couple of bad shots are you're dead and a couple and and if he plays up to his kind of ceiling he might run away with this thing i wouldn't be surprised one way or another um i would probably lean on the avoid matthew wolf side of things this week i'm not particularly thrilled about it played well at, at the saudi international but we're still not seeing like if i go back if you go back to when Matthew Wolf debuted, what type of golfer was he? He was awesome off the tee. We know that gaining a ton of strokes there. He was very good on approach and well, mostly wedges. And then he putted well. And this is where he just and this is his best golf. This is what I want to be seeing. And while his results have stabilized a bit, we're still not really seeing that model. He hasn't gained nearly enough strokes off the tee. His approach play still not there. He's a bit more reliant on the short game, which is not what you want to see. So I, I would guess there are um, more bad outcomes than good outcomes for Matthew Wolf if we run this like, you know, a thousand times. Before I move out of this $9,000 range, I want to go over the power rankings real quick. This is a really easy way to kind of see how the field stacks up with one another. You can kind of click through however many rounds that you want. So I've just loaded in uh, this field, last 20 rounds. Joaquin Neiman's been the best. Denny McCarthy's up there as well. These are raw strokes game. But what I want to kind of show you is off the tee. Because this is where a couple of 9K guys lead the way. Keith Mitchell, as I mentioned. But believe it or not, Shane Lowry is gaining a stroke per round off the tee in his last 20. Now, the bad news is he's giving basically all of that back on approach. Now, 
that's a little bit strange because when Lowry was at his best at the end of last year, I think he had gains on approaching like 10 consecutive events. I'm going to check here in just one second. Let's see. Yeah, right. From yeah, from the players to the BMW Championship. That's seven months, six months, something like that. He never lost on approach. And now, um, and actually his last 20 rounds off the tee go back quite a ways. So maybe this isn't even a conversation I want to be having because his last 20 measured rounds are probably, oh, I know what's happening. Yeah, so here's what's going on. Uh, he is getting credit for all of these rounds that he played on the DP World Tour that don't have strokes gained off the tee. And then his, you know, four rounds before that are 2.05. Okay. Yeah. So that's why it's nice to deep dive this. A little bit of lesson in how the power rankings and how the data works on in the world of golf. If I don't have the statistical breakdown, I still get uh, the strokes gain total, right? Because you can calculate that. So disregard everything I just said about Shane Lowry. Those numbers don't necessarily apply. The Keith Mitchell stuff um, certainly does apply. And if you hover over these golfers, you'll be able to see, um, you know, Shane Lowry of those 20 rounds, only four of them are PGA Tour rounds, so only four of them are measured. So that's why I have that hover there. But uh, whew, almost caught myself on Shane Lowry. Keith Mitchell still your best driver of the golf ball in the field. As we enter this $8,000 range, I do want to go to the Holy Grail for just one second, and I just loaded in everybody in this field for PGA National. I just have this sorted by by strokes gained total because you do get a lot of guys who, who, who play it year after year, especially because the timing of it, the location of it, um, it's a really good place for the Europeans to start. It's also in Florida where a lot of these guys live, so it makes sense. So Tommy Fleetwood, Sung J.M. are one and two in terms of strokes gained total, but they've only played it twice and three times respectively. Brandon Hagee is here. 14 rounds. He's got a runner-up finish, two T21s, and one missed cut. Lee Westwood, he's not in the 8K range. So the first guy in the 8K range, oh boy. I'm going to be so screwed with this one, is Aaron Wise. Yeah, Aaron Wise, who you know I've been very bullish on. I like what the next year looks like for Aaron Wise. Uh, three trips here, gaining nearly a stroke and a half in total. T33, T35, T13. Has never lost T to green. Has gained strokes putting in each of his last two. Oh, boy, how much money am I going to lose on Aaron Wise this week? And then another golfer in the 8K range. Actually, it's pretty, in terms of course history, pretty low down the list. Russell Knox, 8,124 rounds, but missed the cut in four of his last five. A lot of that work was done in 2014, 2015. So that's a little bit of fool's gold as well. This 8K range in course of terms, hist uh, course in terms of course history, not a lot to really like. Um Mito, who we talked about kind of being bizarro world for uh, this this 2022 season or, or 2022 year, however you want to look at it, uh, much different player now. I wish he was the ball striking version of himself, but I still will probably get a little bit of exposure to, um, to Mito. You know, you'd think that Johnny Vegas on paper would have good success around Honda, and, he, and he's done well for himself. Four out of the last five years, he's got top 30 finishes, his fourth place finish in 17, a 12th in 2014, because he's an elite driver of the golf ball. When you have an elite skill set like that, um, it really comes in handy, and he's very good at it. Cam Young also back in this field in the $8,000 range, but not really... A whole lot to love here. What else can we find in this in this 8K range for, um, let's just go last 20 rounds, strokes gain total. Okay, Mackenzie Hughes is in here. 
20 rounds, all PGA Tour rounds. He's gaining across the board. That's exciting. Let's deep dive Mackenzie Hughes here for just one second because he might end up being the cream of the crop. He also finished runner-up to Sungjae here. Let's see what we've got. Yeah, outside of the Genesis where he missed the cut, that's seven straight events in which he gained strokes on the field. It goes back a while, though. That's kind of the concern. Only eight of, or only six of those rounds are rounds from 2022. So if you're willing to go back further than that, Mackenzie Hughes is kind of interesting. Let's do it the other way. So now I've got this just sorted by January 1st and on. So basically just 2022. And if we look in that $8,000 range, Cam Young, Brian Harmon kind of lead the way here. So Harmon's got 15 rounds. T3 at the American Express, T14 in Phoenix. Those are his best results. We've talked about Cam Young already. Drives it well. Had a couple of um, uh, good finishes, not only at the Genesis, but if even if you go back, that's not being counted here. The Sanderson Farms. So just kind of looking for those 8K guys, but it might just be, tell you what, might not be a great range. Might be one you consider avoiding. Here's Russell Knox, 2022. Three T33s and a T7, but again, I showed him, and it was horrible at PGA National recently. So we'll continue to dive. Not a lot to grab out of that $8,000 range. So let's move on. The, the uh, $7,000 range. What can we find here? Well, um, the flavor of the week will almost certainly be uh, Nikolai Hoygaard. So let me pull him up on the golfer profiles real quick because he is uh, – you know, just absolutely scorching right now. So he just won on the DP World Tour a couple of weeks ago. He finished uh, T2 in Portugal. He won in Italy earlier in the year. So that's like two wins and a seven-stretch start. He missed the cut uh, the week after his victory, which I always kind of tend to give guys a little bit of a pass for. But you see a lot of really good results. The thing with him, he's played one PGA Tour event. It was a major championship. It was the Open Championship in 2018. That was four years ago he was like what 16 years old 17 he's 20 now so uh you can throw that right out the window you can you can assume he's going to be volatile he's going to be streaky there's going to be probably some nerves getting to florida and getting geared up for uh this week but yeah i mean i think the raw talent is there he's someone who's going to be quite popular he's only 70 or at least popular amongst like the dfs circles right he's only um 7600 bucks he's actually the same price as ricky fowler believe it or not the 7K range, oh boy, it's tough. I think the logical place to start is probably Denny McCarthy. If you go over to the power rankings and look at everybody in this field for the last 24 rounds, it's Joaquin Neiman, it's Padraig Harrington. Harrington's got European tour starts and a, a Chubb Classic. That's a senior tour start, but we'll talk about him when we get to the $6,000 range. And then it's Denny McCarthy. You know, Denny McCarthy, 7,800. Again, a lot of these rounds go back to last year, but if you look at what he did to open up this year, he goes T48 at the Sony, T6 at the American Express, T12 at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, and then he misses the cut and that kind of uh, maybe halted a little bit of momentum but remember Denny played well here last year finished t-third the first time he actually made the cut and he made a run at it so I think there is at least a lot of um 
connections to be able to say, okay, Denny McCarthy, I think objectively, maybe the best play in that upper $7,000 range. And then if you're looking for value and you want to go a little bit further down, we can continue to go down the power rankings here. And I'd actually probably prefer to find, um, you know, the best ball strikers in this $7,000 range. So last 24 rounds, Ryan Palmer's in here. Ryan Palmer is also the guy who has put more balls in the water. At either at the Bear Trap or at PGA National. I can't remember which it is. It might be both. The guy is like a water ball magnet, but has still found a way to have decent success around here, right? We can pull up um, we can pull up Ryan Palmer both his uh, recently and then his historic stuff at PGA National. So here he is recently. Uh, even with the miscut to PGA or at the Pebble Beach Pro Am, he gained two strokes on approach. He's been a great ball striker uh, dating back to basically Houston. And then if we look at his Honda Classic numbers, I've got the. Uh, I'll try to tweet out the how many golf balls he's put into the water. But look at this: 17th in uh, 2020, fourth in 2019. He finished runner-up in 2014. He's gained strokes off the tee every start dating back to 2012. Has gained strokes tee to green in the same time. Time frame, I, I would get it. I would get it if you wanted to go to uh, Ryan Palmer here for sure. A little bit cheaper here is Hudson Swafford. He's all the way down at 7,100. Great approach player. He's gained basically every single event dating back to the Wyndham Championship. Off the tee is fine. He's about an average golfer there. Putter, crazy volatile, but that's kind of good, right? Because that's how he won at the American Express. He just gained six strokes putting that week, uh, but he also lost seven in Phoenix. He lost seven in Phoenix and still made the cut. That's, well, I guess maybe a, a lot of that could have come on, on the weekend, but still, um, you know, Still worth noting, um, the thing with Swafford is he's constantly losing a ton of strokes around the green, which one, it's not the worst thing in the world, right? If you're having to, to like survive with your around the green play, you're probably not winning anyway. It doesn't really matter. Um, now, PGA National, where par is going to be a good score, it matters a little bit more, but he's actually been better recently, right? He's a positive golfer around the green in each of his last three, so maybe he's finding a little bit of something there. So I think you could put together a pretty good puzzle for Swafford with what his uh, long-term strengths are, what his short-term strengths are, and say, hey, with the price tag, not a bad place to roll now. One thing I always forget to mention before we move on to the $6,000 range is um, this model that I have on the trends tool. It's called breakout candidates. Basically what this looks at is how a golfer's hitting the ball uh, from tee to green and how they're putting. And it basically says if they continue to hit the ball uh, from tee to green like they are right now and they go back to their putting baseline, who is most likely to break out. And I think the guy in, in this range that is most interesting is Michael Thompson. So it's basically just saying he's been hitting the ball really well, but he's been a little bit unlucky putting, which means he's been putting below his own personal baseline. It doesn't necessarily mean um, all these guys are good putters, right? You just get back to their own personal baseline. So you'll see guys like Hideki Matsuyama in other weeks where he'll be you know, up and to the left, which is the quadrant that you want to be in, uh, just because he's putting below his own baseline, even if that baseline is a negative. So it's a really interesting little tool. I, I should show it more often. I should probably showcase it more, but I have it on the trends tool here. And I know, um, I know some people really like this and it, it helps me in finding value uh, as well. 
$6,000 range is not super exciting. Mark Hubbard, $6,900, finished 33rd at Pebble Beach, has a couple of good finishes here as well. He was also in that breakout candidates tool, if you notice that. He was in the correct quadrant that uh, if he just gets back to his putting baseline, there's a lot of room for growth there. Uh, let's talk about Padraig Harrington, and let's talk about Brian Gay. Brian Gay is in this price range, right? He's got to be. Yeah, okay. So let's talk about these two. So Padraig Harrington, who has been... Um, uh, playing on either the DP World Tour or the uh, the Senior Tour, the Champions Tour. Let's look at his results. So finished T56 last week at the Chubb Classic. That would be disappointing for him because when he gets on the Champions Tour, he sh wants to be contending. But he finishes T56. He loses strokes to the field there. Uh, that is, however, a good kind of warm-up start for playing in Florida for this event because before that... He was low-key kind of awesome, right? T12 at the Portugal Masters, T8 in Dubai, T20 at the Abu Dhabi HSBC, T9 at the Dubai Desert Classic, T27 in his final DP World Tour event. I mean, that's him gaining at least four strokes on the field for five straight. This guy's old. He's competing with the young guys. Love it. So really good golf there. And then, of course, you combine that with the fact that um, – you, you look at his uh, Honda Classic numbers, and he's won this event twice. Now, he's missed the cut in each of his last four years. I could do a little bit of a deep dive. Maybe we'll do this on Wednesday, or maybe I'll do it in my uh, newsletter, which you can subscribe to uh, in the description, uh, to see what his form was leading into each one of these last four missed cuts, because there's an argument to be made that he's playing better now than he was at that time. I don't know that for sure. I'm speculating. But he won this event in 2015. He won it in 2005. I, I mean... I think that's a pretty good one on our hands. I will say, I think that there's going to be maybe a rush to play Brian Gay, or at least as much of a rush to play Brian Gay as there can be. I don't, I don't know if that's a lot or not, but um, played really well at the Chubb Classic. That's the senior tour event that we were talking about. Finished fourth last week. And I think on paper... PGA National should be a decent spot for him. You know, it's like, hey, keep it in play. Keep it in play, Brian Gay, and you'll be just fine. However, he's not really done that, and he hasn't done it here recently in Phoenix and Pebble Beach. I mean, he's missed four straight cuts on the PGA Tour, but you'd think that his, his run at the Honda Classic, which he's played like 18 or 19 times, would be better than this. You know, his best finish was, his two best finishes were T8 and T4. That was like 18 years ago, you know, 2003 and 2000, 2000, um, doesn't have a, he's got like one top 40 in the last decade, last 12 years, loses a lot of strokes off the tee, loses a lot of strokes on approach. So I think people will be a bit more excited to play Brian Gay in this range than I probably am. Let's see what other value we can find here. It's tough to go really super low. I would not mind Kramer Hickok at 6,800. I would not mind Lee Hodges at 6,800 bucks. I mean, I don't know what other, other way to look at this. Let's do last 24 rounds, strokes gain total. We talked about Padraig Harrington. He's the first guy in the $6,000 range. We talked about um, Mark Hubbard. He's number two in the $6,000 range. JJ, Okay, J.J. Spawn, number three. J.J. Spawn, last 24, actually gaining... Well, basically gaining across the board. Very, very small loser off the tee. Kramer Hickok is there, no surprise. Vince Whaley is there. Okay, yeah. So that's that's kind of where I'd be living. Tyler Duncan, probably one of the better setups for Tyler Duncan, quite frankly. 6400 bucks. That's probably the lowest I'd feel comfortable going. Let's see what the model can find. Let's see if the model can find us anything more interesting.
So here's the custom model. We can apply our weights. Um, I did just want to run one that was strictly weighted strokes gain total last, yeah, last 24 rounds. That's fine. See what pops up. Joaquin Neiman, number one. Sung J two. Okay, there we go. Because I want to see what Billy Horschel was. Billy Horschel was number four. So it's Neiman, M, Young, Horschel. And that probably doesn't even take into account um, 24 rounds. It probably doesn't even get his DP World Tour win, does it? And it certainly doesn't get his... Match play. Let's try 50 rounds. 50 rounds weighted strokes gain. Let me resort this. Louis one. Okay. Okay. Horschel six. So that's actually better more recently. But okay, that's what that's really what I wanted to see. Um, how would I allocate these now? Well, good question that I just asked myself. Uh, I would say let's go back to tw like 20 or 24 rounds. That's Probably where I'd prefer to live. Let's say last 20. And let's say... Um, I, I think you really got to be stout on the ball striking. So let's say 25 off the tee, 25 on approach. I'll use the raw numbers. You could use the weighted numbers. That's that's fine too. Um, putting has actually been a, a strong correlator. So let's say 15 there. So I've got 35 left. Let's go with... Um, we could do par 4 scoring. Oh, you know what I could also do? Yeah, let's do this. Let's do um I'm gonna I'm gonna do something I, I rarely do. I'm gonna do 20 on or I'll do 15 on par four scoring. And then I'm actually gonna do 20 on sand saves. There's just there are okay. Um there's a lot of sand around here. You're playing out of the sand constantly, and there have been a lot of quotes from players who are like, Yeah, if you're not good out of the sand here, you're dead, right? I, I can't remember. I, mean, I think I think JT might have said it. Um, actually Mackenzie Hughes might've said it at one time. I would have to go back and look, but let's just build kind of a different, unique PGA national model. And let's see who my top guys are. And my best golfer is whoops. Oh, 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 oh boy. Okay. Sung Jay's number one. No surprise there. I think Sung Jay, I think Sung Jay is like objectively probably the best play in this field. I, I, th I don't think it's unreasonable to say that he's the most expensive golfer. He's the favorite to win. Uh, it obviously sets up well for him. He's won here. I do not. Uh, it's like objectively a very good spot for him. Christian Bezadenhout, $8,000 is number two. Decent enough in the ball striking categories. Great putter. Sand save is probably where he comes up and par four probably as well. Kramer Hickok. I like Kramer Hickok. He's number three, 6,800. Joaquin Neiman, four. Louis, five. Armor, oh, I thought it said Palmer. Ryan Armor is number six. My apologies. I thought it was Ryan Palmer. Got very excited. Um, Berger is seven. Cam Young, eight. Keith Mitchell, nine. Chris Kirk is 10. Okay, I can live with this. So a little bit of homework to do on Ryan Armor. A little bit of homework to do on Christian Bezadenhout. And maybe on Chris Kirk. But the rest of it, okay, makes a lot of sense. So I could probably live with this. I could probably live with this. We're obviously going to do a lot more research a lot more discussion. There's a, a Tuesday scramble, a live show if you want to get involved with that. Uh, Tuesday, 12 p.m. Eastern time. That's where Andy and I go through the betting board and props and matchups and all that fun stuff. We'll pick some one and done uh, golfers. And then, you know, Wednesday's the live show. Friday, there's another scramble for in-game stuff. So it'll be a lot of good stuff coming at you this week. Thank you so much for subscribing and liking. I hope you enjoy this. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at Rick Run Good. Leave a comment below. Best of luck, and I'll talk to you guys soon.